Um, I don't know, do you guys notice uh, winter is here? It is here, yeah. In fact, uh, officially on the 21st of December, it was solstice, it was uh, the start of winter, and uh, winter decided to be on time this year. I appreciate that about winter, right? Just going to show up right when it's, it's, it's time to be here. I think seasons are sort of funny when you think about them. You know, they're just, they're sort of these moments that we mark. We try to decide when they're going to happen. We sort of know that like winter's going to happen a little later in December before the end of the year. And then we kind of get this idea of when spring breaks out. And then spring always seems to last a little longer than it should. Are you with me? Like we're always hungry for summer by the time summer gets here. And then summer is never long enough. Who agrees with me on that? Like it could be a month or seven longer for me. I don't know. Like it could be a little longer. And then there's fall which, uh, who named fall? That was the, the lamest job ever. Like, what do we call this one? Fall? I don't, I mean, such a lame name. But seasons are sort of interesting things um, because we don't create the seasons. We just define them. We live in them. They exist. They're there. It's a time period. There are experiences. There are things that when I say winter, you know what I'm talking about. And when I say fall, you know what I'm describing. That's what a season is. A season is a time period that we can identify, we can see it, but it is outside of our control. It's interesting because there are also seasons in the church and in the church calendar. And the season that we're in right now is a season that is traditionally called Advent. And here's what's interesting about a season called Advent. Advent literally means the arrival, the coming, the arrival. And this is why this is interesting, because a coming or an arrival, um, that's usually not a very lengthy event, right? It's like, you arrive, you're there. That takes like a, a second, right? To go from not being there to being there might take just a matter of minutes. And then in a moment, it's over. Like, we're here. This is it. And if an arrival is a big deal, if it was a big thing that happened, we might remember it for a day. An arrival is something that we might celebrate like a birthday. We might celebrate like an anniversary, something like that. It was a big day. Something arrived. Something happened on a day. But the idea that we would describe an entire season with a word that's used to describe a moment is a really fascinating thing. So what is happening with this idea of arrival, Advent, and why would we call a season something that's traditionally short? Perhaps it's because it's more about the arrival and the nature of it and also what the arrival accomplishes that we call this season Advent. This, this season, this arrival that we're describing, the coming of Jesus, is an answer to a question. The arrival is the satisfaction of something that's deeper that's going on inside of us, something that's bigger. And it's, and it's not just about remembering a particular moment. Like we remember the moments before the moment. That's what this season is about, which has everything to do with anticipation. If we're thinking about the moment before the moment of arrival, it means this is also about what we're longing for. Um, anticipation is that feeling you get when you know that something good is about to take place. Uh, it's something that you feel in your gut. It's a pressure that's building. Anticipation is what happens when a child sees a gift show up under the tree a few days before Christmas and they know that thing right there is going to bring something to this world. Like that is anticipation. Well, this arrival that we celebrate tonight, we've been anticipating this for a long time because what this arrival delivers is the answer to the deepest longings and desires that are in the human soul. 
And, and it wasn't just a, a group of people a few thousand years ago that saw this, this moment. It turns out that what this arrival announces is exactly what we have been longing for. This is what we have been looking for. So Advent and Christmas, it's more than us just marking a date. Each December, we enter into a season of waiting and longing together so that we can be reminded of what is fulfilled in this arrival. Now, there are four themes that traditionally correspond with each week of Advent, each week of this, this season. And these four themes, they represent the four deepest longings that human beings have. Let me say it this way. If, if we unpack all of our searching, if we pull back all the layers of what we're actually looking for, if we, if we dig into our desires and all of the means by which we try to fulfill our desires, or even if we stop and we look at our own brokenness and our missteps and, and the things that we've done that we regret, when we pull all those layers off and we get to the bottom of what was going on in all of those things, time and time again, what we come to is one of these four themes of Advent. Our heart's imagination believes so strongly that these things exist that we will chase them and pursue them in any way possible. The longing inside of us, it's so palpable that there must be something on the other end of what I'm feeling that will satisfy this. But you're not gonna get it under the tree in the morning. And nobody picked it up for you at a Black Friday sale this last couple of months. But that doesn't mean that they can't be yours. And that's what Advent's all about. Because they can be yours. They can be yours. In the middle of our searching, in the middle of our heart's desire for these things, Jesus enters like a light in the darkness and he points the way. He illuminates where we can find these four things. Which is why traditionally these four themes, these four longings of Advent and this newfound ability to discover them, it's signified with the lighting of a candle. So the first of these, the first that Jesus delivers to us is an idea that most of us can be familiar with. It is the idea of hope. I remember growing up in my house as a kid, um, I was fortunate to grow up in a house that was fairly privileged and, and we had amazing Christmases. Uh, I love Christmas. My parents would always ask for Christmas lists, the gifts, what do you want this year? I never gave them a short list. But it wasn't because I was greedy. It was because I love being surprised. I love the anticipation. I love not knowing what was under the tree. My mom took it one step further and she sort of sabotaged the gifts. She would put weights in the gifts. She would put things that rattled. One time I had a box of rocks inside one of my gifts. She would number them so that nobody knew whose gifts were huge. So we would shake and try to figure them out and she didn't care because she knew we would never know, which meant on Christmas morning when we pulled back the paper and undid the ribbon and we held in our hands whatever it had been prepared for us, there was this moment of surprise and awe. And I remember so many times when I was five, six, seven, eight, nine, I remember saying the words, this is what I have always wanted. Like for all seven years of my entire life, this is the thing, you know? And I didn't know how insignificant that was, but to me, it felt like all, all of everything, right? In a way that the reality that that gift is there, sitting under the tree, beneath the tree, it hints to a better tomorrow. 
It's this picture of what it means to hope. This, this idea of, of hope is, is the sense that something is coming. Hope is the idea that, that there will be a different tomorrow. When we talk about hope, we're talking about that feeling that you have. Like, no matter how stifled or how faint or maybe how repressed it has been, there's this thing that says that this, this, this life that we're living in and this world that we're navigating, there's this sense, when you have hope, there's this sense that this is not the end of the story, that this story is going somewhere and where this story is going is good. That is what hope feels like inside of us. Like this is not all that there is. Hope enters into drab and dreary situations and shines like a light And it drives out any sense of meaninglessness and hopelessness. Hope is what we get when we discover that there is a God, there is a creator who is not distant and he is not detached and he is not indifferent to our pain. He is not uninterested in our condition or uninvolved in the very real struggles of the world, but instead he is present among us. God with us to teach us and help us, and even suffer alongside of us. Hope is what you wake up to realize when you understand that this is a God who is for you. One of the New Testament authors, the Apostle Paul, it's why he said these words in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. He said, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? We find in Jesus a hope. Jesus gives us hope that this is not the end of the story, that tomorrow is gonna be better than today. And so that's the first theme, this idea of hope. But the second thing that we experience, we long for hope, we, we need hope as people, but we also need this other thing. We also need something that we call peace. The light of peace. You know, things changed for our family when I had kids. Uh, That might be the understatement of the century. Everything changes when you have kids. Uh, But especially Christmas changed. I I remember um, very distinctly how Christmas began to shift and move. and, and, And now there's moments that I appreciate that are very different than the moments I appreciated when I was the child in the home. Uh, there's a moment that happens oftentimes in my house after the stockings have been opened and the gifts have been unwrapped and everything's sort of calmed down and people are just sort of sitting back and the, the anticipation is now gone and there's sort of this lull that falls over the room. There's a moment that I have when I'll sit back and I'll look at my family and I don't know if this happens for everyone but for us, there's just a calm. There's this peace. There's this sense like when I look at my family, they're all there and the excitement is kind of worn off but they're happy that all is well in the world. I love that moment every Christmas, this deep sense of like, there is, doesn't need to be anything outside of this moment for me to find joy or peace or life. Like this is it. Peace. We talk about peace. It is that deep sense inside of us that like everything is all right. Peace is what you feel when all is well. The the yearning that we often have, the unsettledness that we live with, the the worry, the anxiety that many of us wrestle with, the, the fear about the future, when peace enters into our life, those things vanish. It eradicates those things. 
And, and isn't that the kind of peace we're really looking for? Like we want these moments. We want something or someone to enter into those moments and, and, and drive those things out. Little did we know that in the arrival of this child, we would find peace. Peace with God. Peace with others. Peace with ourselves. The birth of Jesus is this announcement of an opportunity that is available to you. Like it is an opportunity you can know your creator and have peace. Like we are good kind of peace. It's a way of living that delivers on its promises with others. Like we can live at peace because of Jesus, at peace with the people that are around us. It, 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 it gives us an identity. It, implants something inside of us that allows us to be the people that we were created to be, the people we were meant to be. That's what it does. Now, I'm not saying that the peace that's offered through Jesus is void of, of tragedy or illness or bankruptcy or divorce or, or depression or heartache. I'm not saying that. But it is a peace. It is a peace that is rooted in the trust that the life that Jesus gives us is deeper and it is wider and it is stronger and it is more enduring than whatever our current circumstances may be. That's the peace. Because all we see is not all that there is. And the last word about us and our struggle has yet to be spoken. What we long for, what you're longing for, is real peace. And, and what we see in, in the coming of God in this moment is a God who's meeting real people in a real place at a real time in history, and he's drawing them forward, calling them to greater and greater shalom, greater and greater wholeness, greater and greater well-being. It's why the angels at the birth of Jesus, they announced this. They said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, like here, not some far off distant place on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Like there is peace available because in Jesus we find true peace. So we need hope, we need peace. And then there's this third experience that we long for, and that's joy. We long for joy. One of the things I love about Christmas is how we get to spend time with family and friends. Get to spend time with people that we love. It's one of my favorite things. Um, and if I were to identify one of the key components of Christmas and like what we dream it would be, at the top of the list would be this small three-letter word, joy. Because that word describes something that has power in this world like few things do. That word is why when we hear the laughter of a baby, we actually can't help but laugh with them, right? That word is why our most memorable moments with family and friends are those times when we laugh so hard that our, our faces hurt and our bellies ached. That's why, that's joy is, is powerful. And I love these moments. See, joy, let me be also be clear, joy is greater than just momentary happiness. True joy lasts longer than a smile lasts. Real joy is something that is felt. It's something that's beneath the surface. It's underneath your skin. And it's something that is contagious. Like genuine joy is contagious. Contagious, and it has the power to drive out cynicism. It has the power to drive out cynicism in your own life and the lives of other people. 
and this joy. It doesn't come and go based on your circumstances because this joy is based on and it is rooted in and found in Jesus. I think this is really interesting, and I don't know that we, we think about Jesus this way often enough and what he was actually trying to give us or deliver to us, but there's this one point when he's talking to his disciples, those men that were closest to him, and in John chapter 15, he says this. He says, these things I have spoken to you, like I'm teaching you this stuff, and I'm investing in you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full Like there's so many things we think about when it comes to Jesus, but do you ever just take in the idea that Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to be joyful. Like I'm teaching you these things and I'm here so that the joy that I have, which means Jesus was a joyful person, regardless of what picture you have in your head. And he said, I want the joy that I have to be in you, that you would have complete joy, that you would experience, that you would be known not for your criticism or your cynicism or your sarcasm, but for your joy. I want you to be people who have resonant joy living in your heart. The scriptures say that the joy of the Lord is supposed to be our strength. Joy that makes us strong people. And we live in a world that is in a never-ending, unsatisfying search for happiness when there is a joy that is right in front of us that we can grasp. And somehow, as mysterious as it may be, real joy is found in the person of Jesus. Are you with me? The fourth desire that we long for, and I have to quote an old country western song, is love. We long for love and we look for it in all. (laughs) This is what we do at this point. Service number three. Oh, you guys. We did it. We get creative. Thank you. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Too many times, too many faces. Anyone remember that song, right? We're longing for love. We long to love others and to be loved and unconditionally. You know, one of my favorite things about Christmas is gift giving. I love the, the exchange of gifts. And I don't, I don't mean the, the kind of gift giving where you have a list of people and you're trying to make sure you spend as much on them as they spent on you. Not, ta- not talking about that where you're just checking off like, well, did we get everybody? I love the kind of gift giving where you know somebody and you think of something that you would love to give them. Like you know them so well, you're like, oh, they would love this. Or, or, or you know them, that th- th- this thing that you've enjoyed, they would enjoy too. And so out of an expression of love, you see them and you know them and where they are and then you give them something that meets that moment. I love that kind of gift giving. Anybody else like that kind of gift giving? If you don't like that, do you like that kind of gift receiving? Yeah, that's a lot better, isn't it, right? Like, oh, you know me, right? I remember when my girls were young, Morgan, my oldest, who was singing up here a little bit ago, I remember she was like in first grade and she decided that she was gonna save up her money and she was gonna go shopping and she was gonna buy the things and wrap the things and we weren't gonna know. She wanted to just do this independently. This was her thing. And so she saved up her, her money and I took her to this, this thing called Santa's Workshop. I don't know if you guys remember these places, but we, I took her to this spot and I don't think these things would be legal today if we had them because I took her there and there's, a, first of all, adults dressed up like elves. 
I'm not comfortable with that. That's just weird, right? Like this is a strange thing and this is before the movie Elf came out. So there's these adults and then like you give them your child and they disappear. And I don't know, are they, are they background checking these people? Like who are these people that are taking your kids shopping? I just remember this weird moment like, okay, go shop with a stranger for me. And, uh, but my daughter, she was dead set on doing this. And so I'm waiting, you know, waiting for her to come out. And like 20, 25 minutes later, she comes back and she has wrapped presents for mom and dad and we drive home and she puts them underneath the Christmas tree and she's so excited like she is so excited about what she got us Christmas morning rolls around and we're opening gifts and she brings us our presents and I will never forget I open up this gift I open up the present and this is what she got me it's a bobby pin with a set of Russian nesting dolls on it just what I've always wanted like it's all 30 years of my life, I was just like, everything was fulfilled in that moment. No, it was just hilarious. That was it. The funny thing is this. I still have it. It's moved to five different houses and it's gone coast to coast two different times. Why? Because that little girl loved her dad so much that she saved her money and she didn't spend it on herself. She went to that workshop and she thought, I wonder what my dad would like. And I kind of wonder what she thought about her dad in that moment. <laughs> but she picked that for me. And she was so excited. And that means something. Why does it mean something? Because love is expressed when we give. When we put another person ahead of ourselves, when we sacrifice something of ours to make another person feel special, that's an expression of love. And, and by the way, that feeling that you get when, when somebody gives you something and you realize they actually know you, that's the feeling of being loved. All of us have this deep longing to be loved like that. And we live in a culture that's obsessed with finding true love, and yet the truest love is right in front of us. And what's, what's tragic for a staggering number of people in the world is that the message of Jesus has been buried under massive piles of, of against and negativity, and so they don't know the, the message of love. Like somewhere with all the years of religious againstness and atrocities from boycotts and pickets and wars and judgments and sermons on God will keep loving you if you do this and God will stop loving you if you do that and, and the inquisitions and, and the terrible PR from churches, all these things that somehow underneath all that baggage and all those things, the life-giving, loving message of Jesus has been hidden from them. But if we could wipe all that stuff away, if you could just get rid of all that stuff and you could go back to this story, this arrival, you would see that the story of Jesus's birth is shocking and it is provocative and it is revolutionary and it is subversive. And it is this counterintuitive good news that in your moments of greatest despair and your failure and your sin and your brokenness and your weakness, when you are losing, when you are frustrated, when you are lonely in your inability and in your helplessness, in your wandering, when you are falling short, this story tells us that God meets you there, right there exactly there, in that place, and in the middle of your mess, and you not feeling good about yourself, he says, 
I am on your side. I love you. The rival of Jesus, it insists that God is not waiting for us to get ourselves polished up and cleaned up and without blemish so that he can love us. He meets us and blesses us even when we are in the middle of our mess. Advent is not about you and I getting ourselves cleaned up so God will love us. It is about us finding God exactly in the moment of our greatest not-togetherness. This is about grace. And by the way, grace is a gift. And you don't earn a gift. You get given a gift. You simply receive a gift. You don't make it happen. You just wake up one morning and it's there. You wake up to the gift of God's grace. I, I say all this because I believe that Jesus comes to set us free and forgive us, to liberate us from shame and guilt and insecurity and, and the judgment or the judging feelings that we feel, all the things that hold us back from being the people that we know we were created to be, all the shame and guilt and all the stuff that we don't, we don't do what we know we're supposed to do or be who we know we could be. He says, I just wanna eliminate all that stuff so that you can be you and who I created you to be. And the way he does this liberating, empowering work in our lives is by announcing who we truly are, reminding us of this over and over and over again. He makes this statement over us, and you know what it is? You're loved. You are loved. You're loved. I know you don't feel like, I know you feel like you messed up. I know you feel like there's broken stuff. I know you feel like your life's a mess. Jesus just keeps coming back day after day, day after day and saying, no, you're loved. I love you. You're loved by the one who made you. And that, that sets us free. Later in Jesus's life, talking with those that were closest to him in John 15, he said this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, I am a love statement from God. If you ever wonder if you are loved by God, look at the greatest love that has been lived out for you. So this season, it is about unwrapping this gift that God has given you this is about your life become the realization, the living expression of all that Jesus can deliver to you, all of the hope and all of the peace and all of the joy and all of the love. And so with that, may you have a hope inside of your hearts that says something is coming tomorrow and it's better than today. And may you experience a peace that transcends all of your circumstances and understanding. May your strength not be your intellect or your wit, but may your strength be your joy, the joy that comes from Jesus. And may you know a love that is full of grace, that is unconditional and unwavering in your hearts. Amen? Amen. We have a tradition of how we end our Christmas Eve services here at B4, and you should have a candle that you received when you came in. I'd like you to take that out. This is such a beautiful tradition. It's such a beautiful symbol. Because if you're like me, 
when you're hopeless or you're anxious, when, when you're depressed, when you feel unloved, the world gets pretty dark, doesn't it? And it feels like you're just sort of fumbling around. And we have this beautiful symbol that we participate in every year, that Jesus, the light of the world, enters into our circumstances, into our darkness, and he delivers his light. He delivers his love and his hope and his joy and his peace. And this is a moment where we receive that and we remind ourselves of that together. So I'm gonna invite you to stand with me and together we're gonna sing Silent Night.
candle in front of you for just a moment. And if you came in this place tonight and you are lacking in hope or peace or joy or love, can I just remind you, like if, if there's a dark spot in your soul where those things have been absent, the answer to your longing is right in front of you. Those things are found in Jesus. And whether you've said yes to him before or you've never done it yet, I wanna encourage you, either return to him or say yes to him because he is the light of the world, amen. But do me a favor, will you guys raise your candles up nice and high so we can all see them? And would you take a moment and just look around the room because I think this is such a beautiful sight and it only happens once a year. So beautiful. We have, a, we have a tradition here at B4 of how we extinguish our candles. And um, this is a fun thing to do where we just want to celebrate God's faithfulness in our life and what he's done. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you like a question about how long you've been following Jesus. And I just want you to raise your candle up if you fit that category, that number of years, and, uh, and then put it down and then you'll extinguish it. And I know that some of you in the room, I know not all of you have made that decision to follow Jesus and maybe you don't even have a timeline of when you did. And so I just encourage you, if that's you, feel free to just extinguish it at any point you want. Um, but I'm gonna ask this question first. If you have been following Jesus or maybe you returned to following Jesus, in the last year, would you raise your candle up and just hold it high for us? Awesome, I love, hold them up high, up there for a minute. So good, so good, love it, love it. Awesome, you guys can extinguish those candles, thank you. How about five years, five years, if you've been following Jesus for five years now, raise it up, all right, so cool. So good, we celebrate you guys. All right, you guys can take those down. How about 10 years? It's been 10 years now that you've been doing this thing. All right, so good. Keep them up high for us, let us see them. There you go, now extinguish those, take those down. Don't burn anybody while you're putting them out. Try not to do that. How about 20 years? It's been 20 years that you've been following Jesus. Yeah. Somewhere in there, 20 years. How about somewhere around 30 years? If it's been 30 years in those numbers, right around there, hold them up high. Extinguish those. How about 40 years? Some of you are starting to show your age. <laughs> so good, so good to see that. You guys can extinguish yours. How about 50 years? 50 years of following Jesus, half a century. So good. All right, you guys can take those down. How about 60 years? Anyone 60 years? So good. Love that. You don't look 60, I'm telling you that. You don't look 60. You guys can extinguish those. How about 70? Any 70s out there? Yeah. Yeah, so good, so good. All right, 70, you can take those down. How about 80? Do we have, we had some 80s in the last service. So good, raise them up high. So amazing, you're so encouraging to us. How about any 90s? Do we have any 90s? Isn't God good? Amen. Would you guys join me and let's sing this song together? We wish you a Merry Christmas.
Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hey, just a reminder as you go, we have no services tomorrow. We have an online experience. We're kicking off a new series on January 1st, and we're back in person on the 8th. We love you guys. Drive safe going home, and we will see you guys real soon.